Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Coming up on SportsCenter, why Steph Curry comparisons actually sell Oklahoma star freshman Trey Young short as for Steph's current team. Golden State gets Draymond Green back. Why he missed the Warriors more than they missed him. And while the Rockets may be missing Chris Paul tonight against the Clippers, why they won't miss when they get their shot at the Kings of the NBA. What's good? Hey, what's up with all the bow humbugging coming out of Boston, both from Kyrie Irving last night and the Patriots this afternoon? Meanwhile, so many gifted young players on display Christmas Day. I'll chop it up about the Sixers, Knicks, and Lakers young stars with Chauncey Billups. As for the brightest star in college basketball, well, that's Oklahoma freshman Trey Young, D1's leading scorer at 28.5 a game. So our early Christmas gift to you, ladies and gentlemen, presented in less than an hour right here on ESPN2, is the latest episode of The Trey Young Show. Trey Young, by far the best player early on. I swear he's got a third eye coming out the back of his head. <laughs> that would be the Steph Curry comparison right there. That was meant to be. And he will likely leave here to a standing ovation, and he's encouraging it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we won't get to see Steph Curry take on the Cavs on Christmas Day, but let some tell it, you'll see the second coming of him. Coming up right here on ESPN2, Oklahoma's Trey Young listed at 6'2", 180. Curry's last year, Davidson, 6'3", 185. Curry shot 38.7% from 3 in 08, 09. Young shooting 38-3 from beyond the arc this season. But when it comes to assists, it's not close. At 10.2 assists per game, Young is well on pace to break the Division I freshman record of 8.7. Let's get an assist from Dan Dockage, who's on the call tonight. Dan, are these comparisons to Davidson, Steph Curry, are they legit? Yeah, Michael, I think they are. I did a game back in Portland in November, and I said this. I said, look, in a world where everybody wants to compare themselves or be Steph Curry, this is the closest I've seen. Remember, Steph Curry in Davidson was a terrific passer. We all remember his shooting, but he was a terrific passer. Not to the numbers that Trey Young has, but he was really, really good at that. But this kid has exceeded everybody, Mike. You just can't do on a nightly basis what this kid is doing. But it's going to be interesting tonight because Northwestern really does a good job of scouting. And this is a team that's had time to prepare. This is a team with a senior guard in Brian McIntosh who has something to prove. So it'll be interesting tonight, but I, I would say comparisons to Curry are spot on. Yeah, so that uh, passing angle, we just saw Young tie. Bears repeating the D1 single game record with 22 assists uh, as a freshman. So let me put you on the spot here. He's good at both scoring and facilitating. Is he a better scorer or playmaker if you had to pick one skill? I think I would pick score. I mean, he shoots it deep. He shoots it effortless. He's one of those guys, Michael, that all of a sudden you look up and you're like, man, he's got 16 at the half. Where'd that come from? The game I did, he had 43, and I swear to you, it was the easiest 43 uh, that I have seen. And the interesting thing about him 
is there's no resentment. Sometimes when you have a little guard and he's out there dribbling all the time, other guys stand around and watch, he has an amazing ability to keep everybody engaged while mm-hmm. he has the basketball the majority of the time. But if you're going to make me choose, I'm going with scoring just because he does it so easily, Mike. Yeah. But it certainly makes everybody better. You're talking about that 43 he put on Oregon at the PK-80. Uh, so is Oklahoma good enough then with him making his teammates better and keeping them engaged to end, I don't know, let's just put it out there, maybe end Kansas's Big 12 championship run? Mike, in, until I see it, I am not believing nah, it. There's cool. a big difference. Be- <laughs> I mean, look, I just did a Kansas game, and I know there's a lot of flaws in Kansas, but they look pretty good to me, particularly – on the perimeter. Here's the deal, Mike. It's the difference between playing a game back-to-back in Portland than it is playing every night against well-scouted teams and players that can't wait to come at you. That's why I'm interested in tonight's game. You've got a senior guard. You've got a well-scouted team. I think as you go through the Big 12, he's going to have monster success. Don't get me wrong. But, Mike, Kansas has won 13 in a row. Yeah. So until somebody undoes it, I'm going with KU to win the Big 12. Smart call. Looking forward to hearing you on the call <laughs> for Oklahoma and Northwestern. Dan Dockage, thank you. Uh, as first reported by the undefeated Mark Spears, the Warriors undefeated in their past 10 games get Draymond Green back tonight against the Lakers after a four-game absence due to right shoulder soreness. Even with Green down, the Dubs' defense hasn't dropped off during that 10-game win streak. Golden State has held five opponents to fewer than 100 points, same number as in their previous 21 games. Also lead the league in defensive efficiency, opponents' field goal percentage blocks, and contested field goal attempts per game. What has this stretch been like for you, you know, knowing if you had to, you could push through a play with you? Boring. <laughs> Very boring. Um, I mean, it's just kind of... A spot where you have to grow up, you know, like want to push through it, uh, but just trying to understand the big picture. You know, uh, you know, we've been to the final three years in a row. Uh, I played in the Olympics. You know, all that stuff started to add up. So to continue to push through it, I mean, you can only do that for so long until you can't anymore. You know, so just try to get ahead of everything. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, just give my body a break. Uh, let. You know, my body kind of catch up to where I am mentally. Uh, you know, just trying to push through everything and you know, get back after Spears, I take it you live pretty close to Oracle. You better get a move on pretty soon. But before you do bounce, how much has Draymond been chopping at the bit to return? You know, after that Lakers game on Monday, when he got to, he actually went just to see Kobe retire, he, he was doing his practice shot in the hallway. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, man. I get to shoot again tomorrow. I get to shoot again tomorrow. He was just like so excited just to be able to practice his jump shot and show that he's worthy of being back on the court. And You know, he had been targeting this game on Friday, but he had to prove to Steve Kerr and the staff that he was capable and healthy to do it because they're certainly going to err on the side of caution. But uh, Draymond Green is back tonight. He's ready. And he's also back in time for the big Christmas tilt on Monday on Christmas against All right. Cleveland. All right, Mark Spears looking clean and in the board of health. I'll let you get going to the game so you can do your thing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, man. Man, oh, man, we were one Chris Paul strain left adductor injury and a Rockets loss from seeing CP3 in Houston take on the Clippers, riding a 15-game winning streak. Alas, the reunion will have to wait until January 15th in Los Angeles. With Luke Mbamute out with a dislocated right shoulder and Clint Capella doubtful with a left heel contusion, the Rockets could have only six regular rotation players available tonight. But for Houston, it's not about tonight or tomorrow night or any night anytime soon. It's about solving the Warriors problem and playing into June. 
I mean, it's the only thing we think about. We're basically obsessed with how do we beat the Warriors. And uh, we know that, you know, it's like we calculated. It's like 90%. If we're going to win a title, we've got to obviously beat the Warriors at some point. And a lot of our signings and, you know, what we do during the year is based on that. What is the point of this league except winning a title? Frankly, we spend most of our time just figuring out how we might be able to knock the Warriors off in seven games and because we're pretty sure that's going to be what defines our season. Hey, Jeff Van Gundy, great piece on Zach Lowe. I don't know if you saw it on ESPN.com today, in which Mike D'Antoni tells him, I don't care what defenses do, they're not guarding us. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but I want our guys to feel that way. Last year's formula for the Warriors, or for the Rockets, excuse me, should they have seen the Warriors last year, was to maybe outgun them. Now they add Tucker and Bamute, their defense has improved. So I ask you this. Is getting past the Warriors going to be more about the Rockets' offense or their defense? Obviously a combination of both, but which is going to be more critical for them? Well, I, I, can't, I don't think you can say one is more critical than the other. If you're going to beat a near dynasty in Golden State, you're going to have to be good on both ends because Golden State's great at both ends. I think what Daryl Morey did with the construction of the roster was an absolute home run this offseason. They are much better equipped this year to guard the elite offenses in this league. Chris Paul, Mahabute, and Tucker give them versatility, strength, quickness, and defensive anticipation that they didn't have last year. And offensively, they can play so many more offensive lineups to try to overcome teams that defend hard and well. So this is an elite offensive team developing into a great defensive team and you have to have both if you're to beat the Warriors. And it's fascinating how their their defensive approach complements their offense. They're switching as Zach Lowe puts it predatory as much as it is reactive causes a lot of chaos when it comes to cross matching and so forth. Um, so let me ask you this CP3 out obviously with the adductor strain. He said playing 34 minutes in Houston is like 25 in L.A. because he doesn't have to dribble the ball up every time. It's more of a breeze. We saw James Harden tire out a little bit in the postseason last year. So how important is sharing the point guard duties when it comes to this team for the long haul? Well, I'm going to disagree with you on Harden tiring out last year. I think San Antonio just played an outstanding game six and Harden unfortunately for the Rockets had his worst game of the year but I don't think it had to do with fatigue I think though that having 48 minutes of elite point guard play uh, is a luxury that no other team in this league has to have the ability to play Harden and Paul together and then what I think is critical is when Harden sits Chris Paul is able you know you're you're now having one of the great point guards of all time handle the ball against second units. I, I think that's a tremendous luxury. I think the Rockets have a roster that as is as good as any other team other than the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I think the Western Conference Finals, Michael, is the finals this year, and I think it's going to be a fascinating watch. Yeah, that's why when Morris says we're obsessed with the Warriors, that's basically synonymous with saying we want to win a championship. They're one and the same. you got to be Golden State, and everybody's competing for a championship. Although I will say this, that was Morey and Mike D'Antoni, who said he tired out. That's why D'Antoni has scrapped morning shoot-arounds, giving him a little extra time off to save their legs. Jeff Van Gundy, appreciate the knowledge, man. That's for number 12. Tom Brady delayed his weekly media availability until today, which means the press finally got to apply some pressure to the QB when it comes to the question of why Bill Belichick, according to the Boston Globe, 
has withdrawn the sideline and team plane access once afforded to Brady's friend and personal trainer, Alex Guerrero. Speaking from experience, you gotta be real selective when you ask Bill Belichick a question, and even then you're unlikely to get a straight answer. Ask him whether the Globe Report has impacted how he and Brady work together gets you this. Yeah, this is another with no sources, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not gonna get into that, yeah. Yeah, because they're not mentioned. Yeah. Look, we have a lot of people that work for our team outside of the team, and there's there are different relationships, different situations with um, dozens of other people. So I'm not going to go through a case by case of what everybody's. Everybody does what, so forth. I mean, that would be impossible to do, and I'm not going to do it. How did you react when Bill told you that he was going to do that? Uh, I don't really agree with your question, so I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, How do you know what he said? The, so are you saying a report that the access was... I'm not saying anything. How do you say that he said anything? You don't know anything about that. Bill never told you that he was removing Alex from the sideline or from the team place? Well, I have a lot of conversations with him, so those are private between he and I, and I don't think anyone knows what we talk about. Certainly, I've never talked about it, and he's never talked about it. Mike Reese, as usual, front row for the proceedings in Foxborough. Not your typical hardcore Friday like we used to enjoy back in the day, much more eventful. Uh, you told me earlier this week, that this story was not that big of a deal because Brady and Belichick's relationship was far more professional than personal to begin with. And then I read how Guerrero's instructions may have been contradicting, contradicting excuse me, uh, some of the training staff's instructions to the rest of the players besides Tom Brady. So, having heard the way Brady and Belichick answered, or as the case may be, didn't answer direct questions about Guerrero's access, have you changed your tune on whether or not this is that big of a deal? No, I really haven't, Michael, and what I would focus on is a little bit uh, with Brady here on Friday, just how different this was. You know, he's usually so composed, uh, you know, and polished up on the podium when he's doing these news conferences, and really this was the first time I can recall over the last 18 years that he sort of challenged the way a reporter's question was asked. Uh, You don't usually see that happen, but here's why I think he did that. I think that's his friendship with Alex Guerrero, and it has nothing to do with Bill Belichick. In fact, when I asked Brady, you know, how this puts any strain on the relationship with Belichick, he said it doesn't. He said he's just trying to come in here and do the right thing. So I really think, to me, Brady's reaction was more a defense of Alex Guerrero than anything it is to his relationship with Bill Belichick. Bottom line is, say it with me now, they're going to do their jobs. Uh, Let's go on the field to a, a sexy sidebar that gets you from Sunday to Sunday, but from where I sit... Here in Bristol, Mike, it's a non-story. And that's the Bills retaliating against Rob Gronkowski for his late hit on Tredavious White back in week 13. Uh, Gronk was asked today whether he fears for his safety. Come on. I'm just focusing on the game Sunday, and uh, I'm just preparing the same, and we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm tell you the truth, I'm just expecting uh, a very good, hard-nosed football team, uh, on the defense side of the ball for the Bills to be coming 
full speed like they always do every time we play them. Look, Mike, two things. One, the only way to tackle Gronk is to hit him low to begin with. Two, the league is on high alert as it is for so-called extracurricular activities and dirty plays and after the whistle hits and so on and so forth. Three, I had a third thing. The Bills are in the thick of the playoff race, so it's not like they have nothing to play for here. So with all that in mind, are the Patriots really concerned about potential retaliation against Rob Gronkowski? Well, if they are, Michael, they're doing a great job hiding it because Gronkowski was asked five different ways uh, if he was concerned, and he deflected it each time. Bill Belichick, uh, for his part, earlier on Friday said, look, I don't live in the past. I don't believe in that. My team doesn't believe in living in the past. So to a man this week, and this is the last three days, Michael, this has been a hot topic. All of them have said, look, this game is bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Both teams have too much to play for to let that be a big factor. Way to come to play as usual, Mike Reese. Happy holidays to you and the family, man. Right back at you, Michael. All right, let's go to college basketball, shall we? Bobby Hurley in third-ranked Arizona State. Closing out non-conference in impressive fashion. Shannon Evans, he had himself an afternoon. Hit five threes on the day, 21 points. Sun Devils 12-0 start, best in 106 years. No slow start today. Evans got some help from Trey Holder, scoring 19 points himself. Hitting from three there, then on the baseline with the floater. 19 and 3 assists, 104 65, the final Arizona State over Pacific. Arizona State, the Sun Devils, they give them hell. They're hot. <laughs> That's enough of that. Uh, they scored 90 or more in 9 of their 12 games this season. Again, they're 12 and 0, averaging 91.8 to be exact. 6 and D1, only Oklahoma, Duke, Portland State, Virginia Tech, and Creighton average more. They light it up. Okay, Dallin Cuff, I see the rankings, I see the numbers. But from what you see, how good is this Arizona State team really? And more important, how good can it be when it matters come tournament time? All right, let's start right now. Offensively, we're one of the best teams in the country. Top five in offensive efficiency, Trey Holder, Shannon Evans. These guards get in the lane at will. I don't know if you saw the Kansas game at all. They just carved up Kansas. They lived in the lane in Fog Allen, controlled that game. Xavier, great team. They hung 100 on them. Remy Martin, a great freshman. Romello White, a great freshman that comes in. But three of those guys are 6-1 and under. So the question with this team, we're going to find out in short order. They go to play Arizona, their rival, at Arizona next week when Pac-12 play starts. Short order, no pun intended. No pun intended. Yeah. Can they guard enough? Can they rebound enough? Their defense rebounding percentage, bottom 150 of the nation. They haven't played a tremendous schedule. I mentioned those two big wins they have, and they beat a couple other you know, power teams. Yeah. But the question is, can they defend and rebound with the elite? Arizona has played a lot better since they lost those three games down in Atlantis. This team is this is going to be a real showdown early on. Now, how good they're going to be, we're going to find out through the Pac-12. Well, folks are taking notice, especially in the desert, a look at the Sun Devils' rise. Uh, they opened at 300-1 to to win the national title. Now, 25-1. to This just in from Captain Obvious. The Sixers have struggled without Joel Embiid, 1-7 without him this season. Good news, though, he's expected to play on Christmas against the Knicks. We've been much better at the Garden than on the road. New York's 15-5 and at MSG. That's tied with the Spurs for the most home wins so far this season, scoring almost 10 more points per game and allowing an average of almost 8 points fewer. Chauncey Billups, Sixers, 10th in the East. Is this just a tough stretch, losing 8 out of 9 with Embiid banged up the past three, or did I 
and others maybe bang the process drum a little too loudly as it relates to them making noise this season. Are they still missing something before they can take that next step is what I'm asking you. Well, I mean, it's a while before they take that next step. I mean, it's, they're missing some experience, you know, and a lot of veterans. Um, we all got a little bit gassed. I mean, they're, they're just an exciting team to watch. But at the end of the day, the big fella doesn't play in back-to-backs. And, you know, he gets banged up and can miss four or five games. And Ben Simmons who's shown a tremendous amount of promise, is starting to be in the scouting report. And the fact that he can't make a jump shot or make any shot outside of 10 feet is becoming problematic at the time. So, you know, I I hope that they make the playoffs because I love watching them play and I like to see them compete. But they are kind of who they are right now. Yeah, you know what? There's nothing wrong with tapping the brakes. You got to slam them. You could tap the brakes on this bandwagon that I built, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? Let's stop saying not enough people are talking about the Raptors and just start talking about the Raptors. Toronto gave Philly the business last night, going on a 60-33 to run over the last 21 minutes. DeMar DeRozan dropped a career-high 45, including six threes. That's mid-range DeMar DeRozan we're talking about. Raptors win for the 11th time in 12 games, coming back from 22 down last night. So we've seen this a version of this movie before in some respects. Raptors good regular season come up short in the playoffs. Some about this team in my tripping kind of feels a little different. You know, they, they've evolved. They get more shots at the rim and from three as opposed to those mid-range shots. Yeah. They're good on offense and defense. The depth hasn't dissipated. Can they actually crash this, you know, this Cavs Celtics conference finals party we've been predicting? It's possible. It's possible. First of all, I think we got to give some credit to Coach Dwayne Casey yeah. um, for looking around the league and saying, you know, we need to play a little bit different. They get up a lot more three-point shots now. Obviously, they have an all-star backcourt in Kyle and DeMar who play well every single night. But Serge has, has brought a defensive presence to the team. Um, Valanciunas, I mean, they just they have a lot of pieces. They, they space the court a little bit with C.J. Miles now at three. Um, he gives them some shooting. And, and also, when it's spaced, you can get Kyle Lowry, as we see right here, get layups. DeMar can get to the basket and get layups. So they're a tough basketball team. We'll see if they can take that jump. Yep. For them, we don't get a chance to see them as much here. They're not on our network um, very often. They're also not on TNT very often. So we don't have the luxury of seeing this team very yeah. often. But just know, they're a good, very, very good basketball team, but it's all going to come down to – if Kyle Lowry is going to be able to lead them when they get to playoff time. Yeah, and that's what our mutual good friend uh, Mark Spears was talking about yesterday. How come the Raptors can't play on Christmas on a national stage instead of the Lakers? Yeah. Speaking of the Lakers, Wolves-Lakers, that caps off Christmas. But we got the Lakers at Golden State later tonight on ESPN. According to ESPN's Basketball Power Index, Lakers' current four-game stretch, toughest four-game stretch for any team this season. They've won one of the three games so far. That was against the Rockets when Chris Paul got hurt Wednesday. BPI gives them an 8% chance to win tonight. Kuzma, 38 the other night. You got Lonzo Ball in double figures for four straight games, Chauncey. Are the Lakers beginning to figure it out? And should we watch out for an upset tonight given that they've taken the Warriors to overtime twice this season? Uh, I don't foresee a, a, a upset tonight um, in Golden State, but I think the Lakers are. They're getting a lot better. Um, Lonzo Ball is playing with a lot more confidence. He's making some shots. I think he's figuring some things out, how guys are starting to play him. Kuzma, I think, is, you know, his, his game is just pro-ready. I mean, he's right. just a professional. He's, he's just really, really good. I mean, his game is built for the way that they play today. But even, you know, like, look, look here, you know, Corey, Corey Brewer, some of the veterans are just, these guys just play hard and they believe that they're playing fast and that they can 
win a game and beat a team on any given night. Yeah, Lakers fans are impatient and rightfully so, but this year was about growth anyway, and we're starting to see it as the season goes on. What's up, Big Wood? What's going on, baby? How you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Can't complain. Happy holidays to you. you. We'd have both made more money than Bitcoin lately. <laughs> Talk a couple of days, but more money than Bitcoin lately. If we'd have both predicted and bet that Jaguars 49ers would be an interesting matchup, especially at the quarterback position, yeah. coming into week 16. And yet, here we are. We talked a lot about Blake Bortles this week. I want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, man. Game-winning drive against the Titans. Him being mic'd up and the way he was managing the sidelines and his teammates on that game-winning drive was fascinating. That came out earlier this week. And, man, you know, you look at a, a Jimmy Garoppolo, how does a guy – and granted, he got to watch Tom Brady, learn from Tom Brady in the New England system. But we've seen guys not always take that success from New England and bring it to their new team. He gets traded midseason. How does a guy come in and win his first three starts on a San Francisco team when, with all due respect, his top targets are Marquise Goodwin and George Kittle and, 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 and Selleck? I mean, how is he doing this? How does he, how does he display this much poise? Is this Kyle Shanahan? Is it just Jimmy Garoppolo has that it factor? Well, I think it's a couple things. One, you know, you can't underestimate how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is. He's really good. They coach. missed him in Atlanta. You, 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 you see <laughs> yeah. what's happening with Matt yeah. Ryan right now. Yeah. His numbers have, have dropped off the clips, uh, cliff somewhat. And, you know, part of it is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the system that he came from in New England, he's well-schooled, man. Mm-hmm. That, that system – you literally, you have to. It's a combination of all the systems in the National Football League. So he's well versed in whatever system that Kyle Shanahan is running. And listen, they've embraced him. Mm-hmm. The great thing about this whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing, people will start throwing around the word elite. I think it's early. <laughs> Who did? I, I, no, they, you, you thought, yo, yeah, that's, it, oh, okay. there's people are throwing around stuff like that. Yeah. But what he does bring is an energy to a franchise. Yeah. And. There's something to finishing off a season right. with momentum. Going into that going next year. Going into yes, the next sir. year. Yes, so sir. I would say watch out for the 49ers next no year. No question. It's going to be an interesting NFC West. Yeah, John Lynch talked about uh, putting pieces around him as the primary goal for the draft. You can see why so many people hire him coming right. out of school. He, you know, he's got it. Might have been a steal getting him for just a second-round pick. Let's stay in the NFC West. And the guy that's looked elite-ish this year, yeah. Jared Goff. You know, I didn't realize this until earlier. Sunday is the first time the Titans and the Rams meet since – the trade mm-hmm. in 2016 that got the Rams the number one pick. If Jeff Fisher was still coaching the Rams, first and foremost, they would suck. But secondly, he would definitely trot out Jared Goff. Like, because, you know, you like, remember what he did with RJ? Yeah, you like to right. show off yeah. who you got in right. return. But this looks like a rare win win situation when you look at what the Titans got. I know Corey Davis, you know, fifth overall pick, wide receivers take a second. Derrick Henry looks like whenever he becomes a guy, he might be pretty good. Conklin was an all pro as a rookie. So, if you had to pick, who got the better of this deal? The Rams getting their franchise quarterback or the Titans who already had a quarterback getting some pieces to complement him? Or it's just, hey, win-win is what it is. I think right now it's win-win. I mean, you got to understand uh, Marcus Mariota was already with the Titans. Yeah. So, the, these guys are all complementary pieces to go along with Marcus Mariota. I, what I think is fascinating is Marcus Mariota is – trending downward, you know, whether it's due to injury. I don't know whatever the case is, but he hasn't, he hasn't played his best this season. Yeah. Whereas you see with Jerry Goff, in particular with Sean McVay as a coach, man, he is, he is on another level this year. So if you're the, if you're the Los Angeles Rams, you're thinking, yeah, we gave up a bounty, but at the end of the day, we got our guy. Yeah. We got a guy that's going to lead us for, you know, 10-plus years. I said it when the trade went down. If you think – you might, if you think he might be the go guy, go get him. You go get him. Go a lot of people are like, oh, there's no, there's no top quarterback. Nobody, it's not worth trading up for. 
Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. A lot of people would have there loved to go. have made that move back then. So you think you got a guy, you go get him. Appreciate it, man. You a guy. Yeah. All right, a couple of guys at UCLA. Still dealing with the fallout from that shoplifting incident in China. UCLA announced today that Cody Riley and Jalen Hill suspended through the conclusion of the 2017-18 season. Riley and Hill, of course, both arrested along with Leangelo Ball on shoplifting charges in China. Of course, Leangelo and LaMelo uh, have since signed to play professionally in Lithuania. Uh, here's a portion of the statement from UCLA head coach Steve Alford. Since returning from China, they have done everything asked of them and continue to work hard in the classroom and in their own personal workouts. I've told our players all along that actions have consequences. And the season-long suspension shows how seriously we take their misconduct. Though they will not suit up for games or travel with the team, I look forward to their return after the Christmas holiday. I'm confident that they will make significant contributions to the university moving forward. So that indefinite suspension now has some definition. Meanwhile, Central Michigan honored one of its own today wearing Dick Dick Enberg's famous, oh my, I can't even do it justice, his catchphrase on its helmets today during the Potato Bowl against uh, Wyoming. The broadcasting legend, of course, died Thursday at age 82. John Anderson has more on the man who narrated many of the most memorable moments in recent sports history. Oh my, what a career, what a life. One of the great voices in American sports. A Michigan kid who made his professional name in California. He called UCLA games during the Wooden Dynasty and started a historic run of his own. Exuberant, affable, and everywhere. Name a network. NBC, CBS, ESPN. Name a sport. Super Bowls, nine of them. Rose Bowls, nine. Final Fours, 15. Breakfast at Wimbledon, 28 times. 71 tennis grand slams in all. And he sounded exactly like he looked. Well-dressed, distinguished, perpetually tanned. He did games, he did a game show, and he'd be the answer to the question, who called Magic and Bird for the national title? The drive. Touchdown, Mark Jackson. The Olympics? Of course. The game of the century? Naturally. And pandemonium at the Astrodome. The quintessential pro he made his partners as prominent as the play-by-play man. Bud Collins, Merlin Olsen, Billy Packer, and Al McGuire. Joyful and versatile, he has a spot in football, basketball, and baseball's Hall of Fames. Oh, my. Never have those two words expressed more personal joy than at this very moment. And it was baseball he loved the best, and the game that called him back to the booth to broadcast Padre games at age 75. His 148th pitch, Tim Lincecum, has joined the no-hit heroes. Oh, my. Finally gave it up at 81. Dick Enberg dead at the age of 82. Good old Bill Walton had a carry champion moment. Nobody told him about Dave Pass's pet. Have you ever seen a dog and a cat fight? Yes. 
who wins in your household. <laughs> How's Baxter doing? Uh, he died three years ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. The bad man punted Baxter. Come on, man. Uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That's Contavious Caldwell Pope. Weird story. Violated his probation, serving a 25-day sentence, but it allows him to play games in California, leave the facility, long as he wears a GPS monitor. So it's like a real-life Jake Shuttlesworth, he got game situation. Odd story. Bottom line is, don't do 70 in the 25. That's the doing too much here. I don't know how he got this program, but still, 70 in the 25, somebody could have been hurt. Michael Beasley gave Boston buckets for Christmas. Season high 32 in 25 minutes with 28 coming in the second half. Asked when he started having the hot hand, my man said from birth. January 9, 1989 is the number. And Knicks fans taking all the meaning out of this tradition. Oh, yeah, Beasley pulled down 12 boards. Second 30-point game in the week, I believe. Averaging 28, 8.7 rebounds over the last three. Knicks, three games over 500. Number eight in the East. Can't wait to, these, can't wait to see what Beasley does on Christmas. It's just good to see him in the limelight, to be honest, which is such a personality and obviously a talent. Hadn't always been able to put it together, but certainly doing it for the Knicks. On the flip side, Kyrie, by humbug. Hoopla on Christmas doesn't really, I don't really get into that. I don't really necessarily think of Christmas as a holiday. So, you know, I'm just happy that I get to do my thing. So, looking forward to playing in front of the fans on the 20th and um, you know, just playing against a high-level Washington team, going against, uh, you know, great guys in there, and then, of course, opening presents and, you know, that whole thing. So. That sounds so enthused. See, what Kyrie is saying is the commercialization of this holiday has led to an over-infatuation with the materialism paradigm as it relates to Christmas. You see what I'm saying? No, I get it, man. It, it can be stressful. It can be stressful if you let it, okay? Come on, Kyrie. Cheer up. Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, in sync on and off the court. Case in point during last night's Jazz Spurs game. Both on the bench, just that's what that, when you spend so much time around somebody, just on the same wavelength. After the game, my new tweeted, loved it. We rehearsed it so many times in these 15 years. All right, Dallin Cuff is back with us now. Let's talk Trey Young. What makes him so special? The kid's an absolute killer in pick and roll game. He, he's got great decision making, he's got great instincts. He reads and diagnoses his defense so quickly. Now, what you're going to see here is a game against Wichita State, one of the best defensive teams in the nation. This is the first possession of the game. Bad communication. If you make a mistake, he makes you pay. Beautiful floater. Here, they get the hedge out. Now both come, both defenders come. Shaq Morris tries to retreat. Zach Brown underneath the hoop. Does let two play one. Doesn't get there in time. You see the vision. He throws an absolute dime to Brady Manick. Now you come out. Again, make a mistake. There's poor communication. He can knock it down range out to 26 feet. So now let's blitz the ball. Let's get it out of his hands. Well, he sees it right away as the big is going to step up. Great change of pace, right down Broadway, takes the hit and the harm. Big play by him. This kid, his ability to see what's coming, and Greg Marshall said they threw everything at him. Yeah. Every way you can guard a pick and roll, he just carved it up. Nobody, it didn't make a difference. Nobody's got an answer for him lately. Just to give you an idea what kind of role Young is on right now, his last three games scored 25 or more in each. That's a career for some 20, people, by the way. 26 and 22 on Tuesday. That's what we're so excited to see in the night on ESPN, too. Um, how far can he take this team? 
That's the question. I mean, people, yeah. people like to think about Kemba Walker and Shabazz Napier. We saw those two like dynamic guards take over the tournament and lead their team to championships. Difference: Shabazz was a senior. He was a freshman on the team when Kemba did it. Kemba was a junior. Trey Young's going to take this team into, into Big 12 play, and that's where things are going to get real interesting because there's a lot of really good defensive teams. West Virginia, Texas A&M, Texas Tech is a team people don't talk about that can really guard and a senior-laden. So we'll see how he does when teams have time to game plan for him. He's in true road environments. It's going to be really tough for him. We'll see how much he becomes weathered, how much he learns. But he has all the skills that you could ever want in any yeah. point guard right now in his game. And to be a freshman and do it this level, Crazy. It, it's mind-blowing. Now, let's see how good he gets to the Big 12. And if you ask me that question again in March, yeah. I might have a different answer then. We'll see how it Hopefully goes. Hopefully he's still playing. We'll see how far he can take him. But in the meantime, we'll all just sit back and enjoy the ride. Enjoy your commentary, man. Thanks, Appreciate man. it. Appreciate it. All right. All right, before I call it a day, here's we had a good day. T.J. McConnell getting a pretty sweet Christmas gift from one of his teammates they call TLC. That's dope. White Iverson. <laughs> Speaking of Iverson, only AI can manage to make an elf costume look cool. Nobody else can pull that off. I know I can't. Hey, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year to you all. God willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see y'all January 2nd. That's it for the 6th tonight. Northwestern in Oklahoma. Trey Young, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about him in the new year. We'll see y'all later. God bless.